following program may contain coarse language, suggestive dialogue, and discussion of violent imagery and sexual situations. It is intended for mature listeners who can tell the difference between facts and opinions. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Toonami Faithful Podcast. I am your host, Sketch, and with me I have... Paul Pascrillo, the founder of ToonamiFaithful.com. And... Hey, Samurai, the Real Medics. And... Editorial writer, Happy Crow Kitty. And... Editorial writer, V-Lord GTZ. You, you said that like there was going to be another person. Did I? I think- I think we have plenty. I think five is a good number. Yeah, I think so too. Five, five is a good number. Paul will only be joining us for the first topic of this podcast, but he hasn't been on in a while. So, how the hell you been, Paul? How do I put this? It's been crazy. Ah, uh, that would sum it up pretty well, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm. I, I know you and CJ would go on for 50, 50 hours about what happened to me, but we don't need to do that on the Tsunami Faithful podcast. So, no, we don't. Same thing with Jarrell. Jarrell would probably go on about it too. Do you you the text between me and you? How many albums did I drop? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. So. Yeah. Hey, there's too much injustice in the world. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, there's just too much stupidity in the world. That's for sure. Uh, that too. Yeah. Corporate <laughs> stupidity. Anyways. Mm. <laughs> Well, let's talk about something corporate, shall we? Mm-hmm. Uh, as mentioned in a previous podcast, ever so briefly, there is some big news in Toonami land because uh, head of Toonami, Jason DeMarco, just got a new job. A very expanded role from what he had before. Congrats. Uh, if you're yeah. listening, if you're listening, congratulations. We're real happy for you, Jason. We're real proud of you. Mm-hmm. Way to go. Way to go. We we hope that you produce very cool things. So let's talk about that. In his newly created dual role, DeMarco will spearhead WBA and Cartoon Network Studios' expansion into producing anime content. He will also be responsible for identifying and developing projects in the animated action genre, and to develop and produce series and long-form programming for all audiences. That's so, huge. He's That's doing huge. anime. He's doing American action cartoons. He's doing it all for all ages, adults, kids, in between. Beautiful. Yeah. Chef's kiss. Absolutely fantastic. And uh, a caveat to that is DeMarco will, of course, have to step down from his various roles at Adult Swim to a degree. So he's no longer the senior VP of On Air at Adult Swim. He will only really be handling Toonami as far as Adult Swim goes. He's not doing the music anymore. He's not doing the promos for other stuff. Just Toonami, developing shows for Toonami, programming Toonami. Making sure things air on Toonami. 
big change for him. And uh, basically his day job will be constantly developing new programming, uh, some anime, some not. And he'll be working under both Warner Brothers Animation and Adult Swim. He's the liaison, folks. But seriously, do not bug Jason with frivolous bullshit, okay? Yeah. Like we told y'all about this too many times. Don't no, no, do just just only bug him about finishing Thundercats. That's it. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, God. No. <laughs> you know what? You know what? He totally could. Yeah. Hey. Yes, he could. Yes, he that, could. Uh, that definitely seems like something that could happen. I mean, it's not like that previous Thundercats thing turned out well, and <laughs> well, it didn't succeed. I'll put it that way. No budget Thundercats. Uh, you know, in all seriousness, I would, I would love for Jason to. I mean, okay, fine. The 2011 version was was good in its own rights, but you know, I'm gonna be honest. I would love for him to develop a, a whole different Thundercats and just see what his version would be. I'm With very interested. Third repeat. Uh, so the Masters of the Universe Revelations version of Thundercats. Yeah. Uh, something like that, but maybe like make it a little bit different. You know what I mean? I mean, you could, I mean, you could do something like that. I mean, if it goes into the comics of Thundercats, then man, it's going to be gory. As and long I'll, as we are talking about any more of the teen Titans, because I think he's really sick of hearing that. And he's ready to try some new stuff, guys. <laughs> new material. Please don't ask about teen Titans. Please don't ask. Yeah. I mean, I guess beyond anything, I just really want like new properties rather than yes. like continuations yes. or revivals. Like, Hey, mm-hmm. more Fennas. Oh, yeah. man, yes. I mean, so, I, I mean, I guess I can get into it. So, while I still have time. Uh, <laughs> so, I would say, the the first thing that I would say is, first is this is probably the first time in a while that I've kind of actually had faith that Cartoon Network was actually going in the right direction. Um, and I only say that because, well... Cartoon Network really wasn't doing anything good up to about now, honestly, because, I mean, now they have three blocks on a cart- on Cartoon Network instead of just Cartoon Network and Adult Swim. Um, so, I mean, this just this just kind of leads them into, you know, a better direction even more. And, you know, I think that's a good thing. Um, would I ever have guessed that Jason would have done this? probably not Jason would have done this. Jason would have been picked to do this. Um, the anime portion. Yes. The whole thing. No, but at the same time, I always thought that they should have somebody leading that kind of division. That was like how Jason is meaning like having somebody that understands what people are actually looking for and not just, finding things to put on, which is what I kind of felt like Cartoon Network was doing for a while there. So ain't no was it was what they was doing, man. I mean, they kept filling for a long time there. They kept just putting live action stuff on. And I'm just like, why this, this is Cartoon Network. Like that doesn't really make sense. I mean, you can get away with the Spider-Man. You can get away with like Batman. Okay, fine. That makes sense. But then you just put weird, random live action stuff, and you're kind of just sitting there going, uh, "Okay, 
maybe this this Man, is getting I a little feel like you're you're talking about things that happened in 2008. I was gonna say this was stuff that happened before I was even in high school. <laughs> Shut up, man! Look here, but, don't be telling me about my age now, young man. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but I mean, you you. If we're there's old, uh, yeah. and anything that uh, current Cartoon Network has managed to avoid, it's uh, very much use of live action. But well, that sounds like it's changing, and I'm not thrilled about that. But right, uh, and, and we'll that's see why what comes of it. That's, that's why I kind of bring it. I kind of <laughs> still bring that up is because that conversation's out there. Plus the other, plus like you know, the first thing that people go to is well, Cartoon Network was doing live action. They better not go back to that. That's the first conversation that comes up when something like this happens. Um, I also don't like Sorry. the whole. I I don't like the whole like. Oh well, now they're just going to focus on anime, and I'm like. Did you not read the whole article? <laughs> like, Clearly you... not. You know, they're getting no. their news from uh, people on YouTube. <laughs> we got it covered. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I hate that website. I mean, I, I guess it um, kind of makes sense for Cartoon Network to want to invest in more action, too. Because, like, yes. even parts of their shows like Steven Universe and, like, OKKO OK had action elements, even if they weren't, like, purely action. So, like... Right. It kind of makes yeah. sense to have at least a few shows that are more action focused rather than solely focus on like comedy, like shows for kid content. I, I see this as so much more than Cartoon Network. And maybe I'm being wildly optimistic about this, but I'm so excited because when I see, you know, this this Warner Brothers head headline, I'm thinking this may go beyond Cartoon Network. There's such a huge opportunity now to influence a new generation of potential uh, of fans of overseas overseas content and to foster the same kind of love of animated content that we all grew up with. Because if you think about it, there's a little bit of gap in the younger generation of, of, of yeah. you know, young 20 year olds and teens because they didn't they didn't have that as, as your child unless they were already exposed to the content. So that already is is huge. Second of all, I think that you know, the fact that they're going to do original and uh, existing um, Japanese content, like there's such a huge opportunity there because we're thinking original content like Fena and then maybe existing content that we want to see or we may not hear about or people may not have thought of. And then they get to they get to, to bring over here. So it's it's like this is this is such a huge opportunity to bring back the animated action field into streamlined television and, and of course streaming services, which, which is had been growing in popularity. I mean, the presence of animation and and stream and streaming services. So I, I think that Jason's going to be heading up a huge project. Um, I'm sure he must have a really talented team of people working for and with him to be able to, to manage this. And I think us as Toonami fans have, you know, an obligation to be as supportive as we can. And one way we can do that, everyone, is watch The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim. Oh my gosh, I'm geeking out over this. Anyone who's read my Twitter knows I'm a gigantic Lord of the Rings fan. And so I'm he's a creative executive on the series. And I'm just like, ah, moral L-O-T-R, yay, yay. And that's what I have to say about that. Yeah, that is a movie. That will be directed by Kenji Kamiyama, who is, of course, also working on Blade Runner Black Lotus with Shinji well, Aramaki. 
So I was also going to, I wasn't really just talking about Cartoon Network. I was just saying that, you know, it's yeah, going to be it's, better. It's going to be better for Cartoon Network, honestly, probably than everything else. Obviously, a lot of this stuff is going to go, the anime stuff, a lot of that's going to go to Adult Swim and Toonami, which kind of Jason Max. confirmed. And then I was going to say, yeah, HBO Max is going to get something out of this as well. So, I mean, um, <clears throat> It's going to be very interesting. I mean, what is it? Infinity Train mm-hmm. comes to mind. Like, so they're on. Book don't four. shoot me because I don't follow it. But <laughs> I mean, finished book season? four. Uh, book four right now. Book right. book book five is that show took a what, weird turn, by the way. But never what mind. What they wanted to what they wanted to do with book five was like a movie, uh, focused on entirely adult cast, which. Cartoon Network was like, we don't really see a child entry point here. <laughs> so, fair enough. Uh, I feel like that show has gotten progressively more um, adult-targeted. Adult yeah. Like, the first two seasons, fine. I think these were good stories that for uh, young people growing up to to relate to those topics. The third one, I don't even really know. The fourth one was about two guys... Uh, right out of college so uh mm. <laughs> they're good I, I thought they were good but they're okay the first one was the best that was definitely the thematically strongest one yeah no doubt about it it's it's getting a little muddled up in its own lore at this point but uh, uh enough about finney train they, they yeah. could definitely do more of that um i mean what, that's 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 kind of where i was going with it yeah and just there is that you know. Uh, Gendy Tartakovsky youth targeted show. Yeah. The the, uni- the unicorns something. <laughs> oh, you just know there's going to be more Gendy, you know, products on on whatever this future is. Cause, oh, yeah. And of all the things like maybe some more more shows kind of like Primal, which are edgy and violent. And then maybe some more geared towards children like the original Samurai Jack and a whole all of his range because clearly DeMarco has a lot of respect for for Gendy so you know I I love his work so I am really pumped about any potential uh pieces coming from him and and maybe and maybe we we can finally get an answer to whether or not they can finish off Symbionic Titan or not because that would be nice to know if only because and the only reason that that it's even a thing anymore is because Gendy has said at some panels in the past that there's a possibility he could continue it. So yeah, it's weird because he's always been like very coy about it. He's never said outright yeah. no. He's just like, oh hey, it's possible, guys, maybe. Yeah, and that just makes mm-hmm. me sit there and think that he has the rights to do it, and I, it just, even though it got written off, so it's like. Okay, um, you want to you want to finally tell us that or no? So, uh, we'll we'll see. Uh, also, Jason, if you're listening, uh, spiritual successor to Megas XLR by Titmouse. Thanks. Oh, that would be so nice. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. <clears throat> I'm sure he'll be working with them. Just let just let George and Jody make something <clears throat> with Chris. So, get get all three of them. Make it happen. But yeah, he actually said that he will be involved with the DC stuff too, which is very yeah. exciting. 
I'm sure it's very excited for him. It's like, ooh, finally get to make some DC cartoons. He yeah. is excited at the prospect of making action <clears throat> cartoons for kids. And God bless him. Yes. Because we need more action cartoons for kids. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean. Like it, quality, it, not crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, fun action cartoons for kids with nice animation likable characters let's uh let's let's have some of that please and not trite humor which is like the a very disturbing trend in children's shows these days oh i can't even like when i'm babysitting for my niece and nephew i can't even watch stuff with them anymore because it's just so trite so i end up pulling up like avatar or something mm -hmm. i'm like let me show you what quality is children this yeah. is <laughs> back yes. in my day we had quality cartoons Exactly. Jesus. Exactly. <clears throat> uh, back in my day, the action cartoons were actually pretty freaking boring. <laughs> <laughs> Not gonna lie. I mean, there are standouts to be sure, like most of the DCAU, but you watch the old action cartoons from the 80s and 90s, they are boring. <laughs> they are boring and lifeless if they don't have some decent amount of humor in the, in the writing. <laughs> it's just... It, yeah, it's rough to go back to some of those. <laughs> so I don't want shows like that. I want shows better written than that. I <laughs> wonder the way, if we'll be inundated with like a resurgence of DC superhero universe in uh, cartoon and animated form. Hmm. You know, like so I remember kind of seeing some of the Batman stuff growing up. So I'm thinking with, there's just been such a trend of, of the... Um, superhero stuff and maybe there'll be like a resurgence of the animation forms of those kinds of shows I i'm i'm really indifferent to it but i know that they can be very popular so oh there is that superman and lois show in development and also a batman show in development with uh bruce tim and jj abrams a very weird combination yeah that is wouldn't have figured on that one, but I wouldn't be surprised if J.J. Abrams is a Batman the Animated Series fan. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> would not be surprised. You know, I was also going to say, too, um, the, on the last uh, update that they had on SWAT Cats Revolution, um, they were talking about possibly getting it on HBO Max. So, mm -hmm. you know, if Jason's listening, you know, there's that shows out there somewhere still. So it'd be nice to see that, like, get mm. a play finally. So the bit of cynicism residing inside me says he's going to make shows for kids, but action cartoons might not actually air on Cartoon Network. They might end up on no. HBO Max. But I am willing to believe that Cartoon Network's going to turn it around and actually give action cartoons a chance again. Yeah. Well, I mean, what, what is it? it? It's um, what's that first block? That's cartoony car too. Yeah, that's what I. Yeah. So, I mean, Which that gets one's its for own kids. DC series, the Batmobile show. Yeah. <laughs> I love the fact that all of the things that they joked about getting movies before Robin in the Teen Titans Go movie all got shows. Alfred <laughs> got a show. The Batmobile got a show. Where's Utility Belt? I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, God. Don't give them ideas, Sketch, please. <laughs> I mean, they gave themselves ideas. 
Is it bad I mean, that I would watch the Batmobile show over a show about Robin? Uh, Maybe that says more well, about I, me. I, I, I mean, if it's a sentient Batmobile, that's kind of interesting in its own right. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be like Knight Rider. It would I be mean, like too. that one episode of Rick and Morty with like the sentient spaceship. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I mean to be Andromeda honest with you. was a sentient spaceship. I did not expect Transformers to show up. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. You're not a Transformer? <laughs> of course, they didn't call it that, but you know what that meant. It was like Transmorpher or something. Yeah, something like that. You're just a spaceship. Yeah. I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to uh, having a new DC series on Toonami. Absolutely. If this doesn't get a DC series made for Toonami, what's, what, what's even going on? <laughs> I just exactly. want one. Just give me one. <laughs> you don't have to make a bunch of them. Just give me one, and we'll see how it goes. Hell, you could do a you could do a new Justice League. You could do a new version of Justice. I'm, League. I'm good with that. I'll take anything. Give me Booster Gold or something. Oh, a Booster Gold cartoon would be freaking sweet. <laughs> That's a good show for Adult Swim. I think it's it's worth pointing out because it it struck me on some of the Twitter responses. People didn't know some of Jason's uh, accolades, some of the shows he'd worked on, like, you know, IGPX, The Big O, um, FLCL, uh, Alternative. And then, of course, Fena and, and Blade Runner, Black Lotus. Like he he has a, an impressive resume of of good content in his mm-hmm. uh, on his CV. So he's he's not, you know, just going in as a manager he's he's been a producer and and a creative director on shows so he he has um he he has some some talent in that aspect he's not going into this blind no 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 and it's stuff that people people have watched some you know hopefully many listeners here have 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 watched so have no fear have no fear tsunami faithful this is a good thing yes We'll yes. get to see Jason's name in Katakana and more anime. Yeah, that was, it's kind of weird when you watch Fenner, right? Yeah, I was like, oh, wait, that's Jason's name. Yep. And Maki on the other side. Yeah. She's a treasure. Yeah. I was like, where's my Colin Decker moment? Like, every time I watch a Funimation show that they co produce, Colin Decker's name is in the credits. <laughs> there he is. There's Jason. I was looking at the end credits looking for him and I couldn't find him. I was like, oh, I should check the the, the uh, opening, I guess. Oh, there he is. <laughs> right at the beginning. Huh. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, that opening is gorgeous. And oh, such yeah, a good is. song. Ending is a good song, too. If that is a discussion for another podcast, friends. Oh, it certainly is. So uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll go ahead and tell you here if... Uh, we're not talking about Fena at length on this podcast because we're going to have ourselves a Fena podcast. So look forward to that. It should be in your feed relatively soon after this one's out. That's your tease. Possibly. Possibly. I mean, I don't know. It's pretty much up to me whether or not it comes out. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. So, so the plan is listeners to do um two episodes and then have a a recap so we can all sort of revel in this original content and its fabulousness 
Uh, so, so stay tuned. Hopefully every, every other week you'll get something fresh from us where we talk about it and you all can comment on it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they enjoy it. Uh, yeah. So I, I have seen the argument that there are perhaps uh, better people working in the American animation industry to take up this role. And sure, that's possible. There's certainly a lot of people who have developed a lot of great shows like Greg Wiseman and Bruce Tim, James Ducker. But Jason has had 20 plus years of experience working with people over in Japan, working with creators in the U.S. I He, he seems like a really good fit for this particular role. Yeah, I think it's also a recency thing, too. Like, Jason's been actively working with, like, a bunch of different companies in Japan. Like, we have, like, ten different, like, shows in production. Yeah, yes. It's like, you know, production IG, of course. Yeah. Absolutely. And, like, especially with Japanese companies, you don't want to change up who you're interacting with. It's better to keep that consistent. So if they're going to have anyone helm anime production for, like, uh, Warner Brothers and like Adult Swim and everything. It makes sense to just keep Jason in that role. Yeah, and yeah, he's passionate and and he cares. He he wants to do this. It's not just a job to him. At least that's what I got the impression of. So, and considering he's having to to you know relinquish some of his um, time on the the music scale, and we know that was also a passion project for him. It's clear that he's he's prioritizing something important. So um, that's why I really think it's 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 something we should all encourage and support and and laud and and definitely keep an eye out for content. I'm sure it's not going to be like tomorrow we get something. I mean, we're we're still getting fresh content now on Toonami, but but you know, I, I really love the way this will this is going to provide an excellent opportunity for advertising. I, I, I'm, I think that if he's really working on this sort of cross-culture stuff with different action animation, that there's a lot of potential for advertising for Toonami and maybe growing, regrowing the viewership or, you know, strengthening viewership base, which is always my concern. Lots of I, Toonami viewers. <laughs> I mean, you never know, folks. We might actually get some more tension on Toonami because of that. I'm just saying. Might get a lot of great things. Black you don't really want more don't Tenchi. Give, uh, <laughs> James DeMarco co-producing more Tenchi. Oh. Hmm. <laughs> Look here. Tenchi was my Where dang old gateway in the hair. Go, man. Where you'd have we'd have to come up with something brand new for Tenchi. <laughs> oh Jesus. So uh, no, 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 there's, no, 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 there's no. plenty of things left to adapt. <laughs> I mean, like his kids, man. Oh boy. <laughs> You just want the harems. That's what you want, Darrell. You want to see the ladies' harems, all that stuff, right? Hey, look at him. I even do reverse harems too, man. So, (laughs) Oron. Hey, I didn't say just I. I I said harems in general. I know you like you like all the the sexy tension, right? (laughs) I always do. You know me. It's like you. It's like you actually know me, Kuro. <laughs> like you're speaking to my heart. Oh jeez. Shut up, Paul. Nobody asks you anything. Don't don't don't, don't don't. What's Look what, here. Do I, what do I want? Tend to, to my guy, son. Tend to my guy, son. No. And do what you need to do. Okay. No. No. 
don't make me move to Rochester. Don't encourage him, okay? Please we don't have encourage him. He's a growing tsunami fan. He's he's a tyke, but we gotta we gotta indoctrinate him in all the glories of anime. So exactly. Oh dear God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, dear God, indeed. May he survive being around me. <laughs> May he never meet you. <laughs> See, I bring my ass up to Rochester just for that now, man. Everyone needs okay, a fun thanks. uncle, man. Every. Everyone needs a fun uncle. Absolutely. I am the fun uncle. I strive mm-hmm. to be the fun uncle. Are you a funkle? A funkle? <laughs> the funkle pop? Uh, <laughs> I was thinking it. <laughs> See, I hate pop. that word, by the way. It makes me feel weird. <laughs> it makes Funk? my skin go funky. Funkle or funko? Funkle. Oh, no, no, no. Don't say it anymore. I can't say it. Like how some people are weird about the word moist. That's the word I'm using out. <laughs> moist. Okay, we need a moist funkel. <laughs> no, no, don't say the F word. <laughs> it sounded. <laughs> funkel. Stop saying the F word. Do you hate me? What is wrong with funkel. you? Funkel. Funkel stilt skins. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, no, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. You'll have to descri- discuss the promised Neverland without me, folks. No, oh. no, you were supposed to take point on that. Okay, we better we better stop. That's that's a legitimate threat. All right. <laughs> so uh, once again, we uh, shout out to Jason DeMarco for his new role as senior VP and head of anime and action at Adult Swim and Warner Brothers Animation. And I think that'll do it for this topic. So, Paul, feel free to leave. Yeah. Right. Be going on the podcast. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye, Paul. Love you, sweetums. Mm-hmm. I'll get Thanks you for joining us. And Paul was never seen again. That nerve that guy, man. I mean, I really fucking hate him so much. <laughs> I was just waiting for him to get on the podcast so I could really say it. It's the way we love. Yep. Indeed. I mean, seriously, the world's greatest bromance. Well, Toonami listeners, uh, Toonami faithful listeners, <clears throat> let me try that again. Well, Toonami faithful listeners, we've kind of been putting it off for a while, but it's time to talk about the second season of The Promised Neverland. Do we have to? Talk my food prep. Um, I mean, we don't have to, but... Oh, we, no, we, should. We, we should. We should. We should. I mean, I, I want to preface, it's not all bad. I it's mean, mostly isn't bad. It? Isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we just need to talk about Kids Meal Land. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> I mean, like, if you think about it, man, these kids are literally just living food prep. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well... At least the opening song was good. That was a legit OP. Mm-hmm. It was a banger. Okay, Kuro, take it away. Right. So, season two begins shortly after the events of season one, with the escaped children running through the dark forest, led by Emma and Ray. Some great imagery there, by the way. Uh, they encounter several species of rabid demons, though the resourceful children manage to escape unharmed. They are rescued during a harrowing encounter by a mysterious man and woman, both of whom are revealed to be demons. 
Sanju and Mujika, as they're called, turn out to be non-human eating demons who live secretly as outcasts. Sanju reveals to Emma and Ray that the current world is a result of a long war between humans and demons that eventually concluded with a peace treaty, which divided the planet between the two races, with the farms left as an offering of appeasement for the demons. Emma is more determined than ever to free the children living on the farms and ask the demons to teach her and the children how to survive in the wilderness. She also learns how to hunt from Sanju through a, a critical discussion in which Emma questions the very nature of killing another species to survive, which is an ironic parallel between her hunting animals and the demons hunting the children. Very under um, underdeveloped discussion, in my opinion. Anyway, eventually the children take their leave of the demons and search the coordinates on the pen, which uh, was gifted them by Norman at the end of season one, and it belongs to the mysterious William Minerva. They discover an underground bunker fully equipped with supplies, water, technology, everything they could need to survive. However, upon discovering a secret passage with the words help scrawled across the wall, they begin to feel suspicious. And just then, a phone rings. Dun, dun, dun. On the line is a recording of William Minerva himself, a.k.a. James Rattray. He describes his work on the human farms, which leads to his own, which led to his own disillusionment with the system and a desire to see it ended. He leaves the children with several clues about how to get to the human side of the world. Still resolved to get the kids on the, the other farms free, the children settle in for what is an unknown length of time to the viewers uh, and, and sort of live in the bunker. Unfortunately, they're tracked down. This time, however, it's by an army, of, an armed squadron of humans. Once again, their own luck and ingenuity allow them all to escape. Disguising themselves as demon children, the group adapts to life on the run, moving from town to town. They hide out in an abandoned temple, whose only visitor is a blind demon. Possibly may he may realize they're human children, though it's not quite clear at this point in the anime. Rumors around the town are saying that there are farms with children, farms of children that are being raided, and there's also the news that there are 15 escapees. While foraging for food to bring back to the town, two of the younger ones accidentally reveal themselves to a pair of demons who, desperate to uh, grab the escapees themselves, proceed to chase them. Suddenly, the children are rescued by another group of demons. However, this group reveals themselves to be humans in disguise with the big reveal that their leader is none other than Norman. The group, overjoyed to see Norman alive and well, especially Emma and Ray, ask him how he came to be as he was. He reveals that he was transferred to another farm called Lambda, where testing was performed on him and the other children in order to determine a way to efficiently, air quote, mass produce intelligent children for consumption. Norman managed to escape with a group of other test subjects, and it's very clear to Emma and Ray that something's not quite right with him, maybe some side effect of the testing. However, their happiness at seeing him in alive sort of overcomes their better judgment. Norman reveals to them that he discovered a method of degenerating the demons and reducing them to a mindless beast who eventually disintegrate, I guess? That's never quite clear. Anyway, his plan is to release this miraculous drug into the entire population of demons and therefore eliminating the demons. Emma is conflicted at the thought of killing her good friend Mujika. 
and she confronts Norman with the encouragement of Ray, pointing out that not all demons need to eat humans to survive. Norman recoils at this news, calling Mujika the evil-blooded girl. He says that 700 years ago, Mujika appeared and used her blood to heal demons of their need for humans to survive. However, the royal family, likely in an effort to control the rest of the the demon population, consumed all the healed demons and drove Mujika underground. I'll point out also that it's never quite clear how Norman learned this crucial bit of information. Anyway, Norman, who sees Mujika as a threat, uh, argues with Emma, who fiercely defends her friend and asks Norman to give her a chance to seek out the demon girl and implement a new plan to heal all the demons from their need to consume humans. Norman agrees, though after the group leaves, he secretly informs the Lambda group that he has absolutely no intention of changing his plans. So Emma, Ray, Don, and Gilda set off to search for the pair of outcast demons, and they quickly manage to track them down. However, Lambda has released the drug on the demon town they were all staying in. As chaos descends on the town and the demons begin to degenerate, the blind old demon, who we remember from the temple, uh, attempts to save his own granddaughter. In a poignant scene, he calls out to her Emma, and Norman watches this unfold, sees the grandfather attempt to prevent her degeneration by giving his granddaughter his own blood. Emma and Ray arrive with Mujika, who quickly begins to administer her do-sex machina, <coughs> I mean her blood, which quells the degenerating demons. Norman reveals to the pair that the drugs have affected his lifespan from his testing, and he doesn't have much time left, which thus why he was so intent on implementing this plan. The group then have an intense heart-to-heart, and Norman agrees to abandon his plan of annihilation. Just like that. Along with all the Lambda group, though, admittedly, they're somewhat cynical. Unfortunately, it's not quite a happily ever after yet. Peter Rittery, who is the head of the Lambda facility where they all escaped, and the brother to James, who we remember as Minerva, attempts to lure all the escapees back with news that the remaining Gracefield House children will be, air quote, shipped out. We all know what that means. Suddenly... The blind grandfather demon reveals he's retrieved another pen. This one, not only with a blueprint of the demon far HQ, but a cure for the Lambda drug. Woohoo! Yay! How convenient. The children then devise a plan to encounter Raytree and raid HQ. Then, with the help of Isabella, who has betrayed Raytree and the demons and rallied all the other moms to her side and nullified their chip, blah, blah, blah. They managed to rescue the Gracefield house group. Raytree kills himself in despair for reasons unknown to me personally, and the children and the moms cross over in the human world. Emma stays behind in Wichika in order to build a new demon world where no humans are farmed. Everybody lives happily ever after, and Emma eventually rejoins the human world and lives happily with them. Hooray, the end. Wow. So I think a a good place to start with this, what feels a little bit like a mess to me, is is why why is this season so different in feeling from the last season? And one thing that struck me is that it just felt really rushed. The story was not cohesive and it lacked the thriller element. And I think when we discuss this, 
in the, the, the preview episode, it was V Lord, myself, CJ and Paul. So I think, I think a good place to start with sketch since you haven't read the manga and you watch the anime, how did you feel about the, the, the feeling of the season overall? It starts out. Okay. It, it starts out a little rushed, but still okay. Uh, you get to the part where they're in the bunker and then the contrivances just keep piling up. You get them in the bunker. Oh, but you got humans that show up and get them out of the bunker relatively quickly. And then they go into hiding and then they find Norman who's alive and then you find out that Norman wants to kill all the demons because of the experiments. And then Emma's like, no, don't kill the demons. Some demons are okay. And then they like have a conflict over that for however long until, wouldn't you know it, somebody has the solution to all of their problems. And all they got to do is deal with Peter Rattree. And thankfully, Isabella's like, hey, I'm a good guy now. It's just, what? The biggest issue, perhaps, is the decision to remove that whole Goldie Pond arc from my, I've never read it, but there, there's a clear, clearly a certain amount of time that that takes place over, and that would make everything feel a whole lot less cramped. And, and it, more fluid. It's like... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's but, a complete lack of fluidity to this season. It it, yeah, it just, as you said, the contrivances pile up. Just all over the place. And when they're reunited with Norman, it's like, it doesn't even feel like he's been gone long. Like, not at all. And of course, to us, it's only been about six episodes. It could arguably be a longer amount of time for them, but we don't really feel the ramifications there and now suddenly and i don't know if uh norman's whole deal is ever really gone into before he meets them again but it's like oh now norman's all kind of crazy (laughs) and we don't really know why it's off-putting to say the least and then they have an actual Martha moment. <laughs> Emma, Emma, what? Why did you say that name? Oh boy! And I'm—I mean, I'm pretty sure that was in the manga. But regardless, it's still. Oh boy! Was the second pen in the manga, V Lord? Because that I. I I couldn't get on board with the second pen. It has a solution to all of our problems. Yeah. The cure for the disease, a way to get out. All of our conflicts are solved. Yeah, so I guess to start off, the Martha scene is not in the manga. Oh, geez. Is that that demon even named Emma? Because no good writer would ever put that in anything that that, like entire thing with like the old demon guy and the kid is completely anime original most of that entire portion by that point is just all anime original content oh oh man oh man that's so contrived it's like they had to come up with a quick way 
to get Norman from being totally 100% on board with killing all of the demons and then suddenly not 100% anymore. <laughs> like, uh, even Emma can't convince him of that that quickly. He had a Disney moment. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Bless, bless Emma's heart. She wants everybody to be happy. Just like Peter. I mean, not Peter. Uh, Mr. Rattree. <laughs> come on. Come on. We, we don't have to do this. And. <laughs> yeah, it's Peter. Yeah, it's Peter Rattree. Not James was his brother. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. then Peter Rattree's like, no. Slice <laughs> my neck open. And Emma's like, no, don't die. It's like, you, do you really care about this guy? Yeah. <laughs> Bless your heart, Emma, but oh boy. <laughs> Jerome, this, what were your thoughts about season two in the terms of like the fluidity of the series and, and the quality of the content? Man, it was rushed. It was literally like a fucking quickie, man. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm like, are you serious? It was like pushed so quick to like a blink of an eye and it was just done. I was like, while I did like the ending, you know, just because I just wanted something to have it considering what I have been dealing with, you know. Yeah. You know, things have been dealing with, you know, I it was good to see a happy ending. But for the most part, they left out a lot of stuff that was in the manga and it was just totally rushed like everybody else said. And I was like, well, this 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 is the end of meal prep and <laughs> this is what we get. I mean, it could have been done better is what I'm really saying, though. Yeah, oh, so much better. Like they adapted 144 chapters in 11 episodes. <gasps> wow. Oof. And granted, they skipped the entirety of Goldie Pond, which is a fairly sizable chunk of that. But like, even then, that's a lot to try to cover. And like, after they get to the bunker, they just kind of take these small elements from the final arc and try to patchwork it together. But none mm-hmm. of it really works. Like, yeah, Norman's back, but, like, because it hasn't been that long, his character change just seems random. They don't really go into why he's the way he is. The stuff with, like, the Ratchery clan is, like, just an afterthought. They don't even go into the whole reason why the demons are still really eating humans rather than just going and getting the demon blood from Sonju and Mujika. That's a huge plot point, by the way. Uh, I was completely lacking in terms of, as a viewer, what the motivation was for a lot of this. And they they really could have explored the whole demon society much better. I mean, it, there was obviously some huge philosophical issues that they just, you know, touched on, and then they ran quickly away from them. It was like, why, why, why tantalize us with this potential rich discussion about, you know, controlling society potentially or anything else and then mm-hmm. not dig into it? Because it, it felt like it, even without having read the manga, which V-Lord, you did, I could tell there was stuff missing. I could feel it. I could see that there was stuff missing, you know? Uh, it's such a bizarre choice, too, because the final arc in the manga is primarily a conflict against the demon royal family. Like, Norman's, like, faction fighting the demon royals to try to take over and then commit, like, mass genocide on the demons. Which is not handled perfectly either in the manga, but 
the fact that like most of that is just kind of like thrown to the wayside in the anime is just like very strange to me because it makes everything way less interesting. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, it really did take away from it. I mean, the only thing I could do was, like, make jokes, man, about it at that point. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure y'all saw jokes, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm sick, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, there were those episodes where they focused on the Demon City. I was like, you know, this, for all its faults, it's actually making me care about these demons a little bit. So, good on that, but at the same time, you just so surface level and glossing over everything and it's just it's just a mess I <laughs> felt like man, it was being manipulated into caring about the demons that kind of mm-hmm. made me annoyed yeah. like I, I I didn't have enough time to really develop why that's important I just knew like oh they're kind of good so we shouldn't kill them and I was like I remember thinking wait a minute no no this is not cool and then and then you know taking let's i just want to take a step back the conversation that sanju and emma have about hunting and emma sits for a minute and she's like i wonder how if this is right i mean the demons you know if they hunt and eat living things like humans is it right for me to kill this bird and eat it and i thought this is such an excellent point this is a plot point that really needs to be explored because is this something that there are demon factions that think of? How does this affect the society in general, you know, and and what role does this play? And aside from that conversation, which which felt huge to me, they never they never revisit that again. And I I don't know. I don't uh, V-Lord, is that something that was explored further in the manga than it was unfortunately not in the anime? So yes and no. Um they do go into kind of more of the lifestyle of the demons and kind of why they live the way they do. But as far as Emma's concerned, one of my biggest complaints with both the anime and the manga is that Emma's viewpoint is never properly challenged. She's mm. kind of just like, "Oh, hey, Let's not kill the demons. Let's just all live happy. But she never really has to struggle to get her way with it. That's yeah. pretty hollow. Yeah. I mean, seriously, you got to have some struggle, man, if you want to actually, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, people can't go through life and not struggle. But in certain cases like this, when you're struggling, you know, for the freedom that you want or to end something, you really have to fight and take some heads. And, and that really wasn't addressed. I mean, mm-hmm. like um, Lord said, she pretty much went unchallenged on this. And the thing is, I think if she would have had some pushback on this, it would have made the story a little bit better and fleshed out. Because, like I said, it was still a quickie wham bam. Thank you, ma'am. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know one pump chump. <laughs> type. Like, you could you could sum up the philosophical argument there as uh, I don't want to kill the demons, but. The demons are bad and they kill things. Yeah, but I don't want to kill them. I'd feel bad about it. Well, you raise a good point. That's literally Emma's logic. <laughs> I mean, it was the quickest circular light conversation. I don't want to have any that. regrets. <laughs> and, and Emma is a, a she's one of the only characters aside from Ray that I actually like in this in this part of the season. So, uh, um, you know, even though there was a lot of contrivance, um, I still. I still felt somewhat um, attached to her and Ray 
and then some of the children. So following her, her sort of non-logic, non-challenged or discussed logic, I was like, okay, I'm just on Emma's side because I really like Emma and I want her to have her way. <laughs> but that was the only reason, you know, I just, I felt, I felt sort of attached to her character, not her, her, uh, uh reasoning. Well, she was way better in season one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like yeah. this point in the story, I just didn't care about any of the characters. They all just felt like archetypes for like neither a did the show. <laughs> that should that too. That too. Like they definitely could have used some of like they had a very limited amount of episodes. I understand that, but there were were like two episodes where they just stood around talking. Like show us something. Yeah. <laughs> And honestly, it's like, I, I feel really like if they were going to have just such a small amount of episodes, they should have actually done their own thing and made a mm. genuinely original story rather than trying to make a story just based off of, like, small bits of the manga and then trying to, I don't know, piece it together. Because that, at that point, oh, technically, it's different from the manga, but it's not an original story. It's just a story that is inspired by the manga. I don't even care if they do original story. Just make, put some thought into it. Write a good story. Well, see, that's this the thing. Not like, a good story. If they're going to have such a small time span to do this, they have to make a good original story. And to, the only way to really do that is to not try to be dependent on the manga. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like I'll distancing like itself it. from the source material as much as possible would have been the best option to not make this be a train wreck. Well, it ended better than I'll know a zero. Oof. That's a low bar, though. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, man, because that was some that was a straight that was a straight piss, man. At the end of that, uh, I would I mean I would rather watch the Promise Neverland ending over that ending any day of the week. Well, at least it was a happy ending. Yeah, I, I mean, like seriously, I would give up booze, man, if I never had to watch I'll Know Zero again. <laughs> and that's yeah, y'all know when I say I give up booze, man. That's, that's something serious. Yeah, damn. Yeah, I would never give up booze. That's how I feel about gonna see Destiny. <laughs> oh Lord, man, sketch, take that, man. Just give me a stinky type and wave in my face, man. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> so one of the things that really made the season one such a good season was the thrilling aspect that every episode had this element of fear. And when I say thrill, I don't mean like outright scary demons in your face. It was like the possibility they could get caught, the possibility they could get chipped out. You know, it was always just teetering on the edge, just walking the fine line between capture and, and trying to escape and how vulnerable they're going to be when they escape. So that I really think that that made that set a really good tone for season one. And I think that season two just they added moments of that, but then just let it disintegrate. There was absolutely no attempt at adding that thrill, that fear. You know, you're just caught up in some political drama and not even one that's properly fleshed out. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of times when they are in serious danger and you just don't really feel it. Mm. Like, you know something's going to come along to save them. You just know it. And it's it really takes the wind out of the sails. But like in that first episode of the season, they're like constantly on the run from the demons. And you're like, 
well, this is a really bad situation. How do they all get out of this? Yeah. Oh, that's how. Oh, okay. <laughs> I guess that's all right. Hooray convenience. <laughs> yeah. Convenience. Some really strong guy comes out of nowhere and takes care of it for them. Plot armor. Uh, but I mean, pretty sure that's in the manga, so whatever. <laughs> I think one way this could have been better was, first of all, not try to resolve the story in 11 episodes. Manga or no, I I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think this story could have been I don't think the story really deserved to have a completion in a second season. This is a story that maybe deserved a more attack on Titan approach where yes, it takes a little bit of time, but develop it and and play out the mystery and play out the drama and play out the tension, you know, rather than stick it all in 11 episodes. And and I don't know specifically why that decision was made in projection, aside from perhaps COVID concerns, et cetera. But I think that's where they started off going wrong, trying to make the second season the conclusion of the, the series. Yes, that is definitely where they started off wrong. And I'm not really sure why they did it, because it seemed like the first season was moderately successful so why didn't they think that they could do more than 11 more episodes i just i don't get it yeah my only guess is that because the manga was already over by the time the anime was airing they didn't want to make more beyond that because like the monetary value of making more beyond that point just like diminishes because like a good chunk of like sales are going to be redirected towards manga sales Mm. and when you don't have new material coming out, it's hard to justify that, I guess. The flip yeah. side, though, is, like, if the anime is really good, you're going to get new people to check out the manga and buy other merchandise. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, it's hard to say, but, like, I guess they just didn't think it was valuable. Well, they, they got really lazy. They got really lazy. There's a lot of just cause logic in this show. They like life. they they cared just enough to make eleven more episodes, but I kind of wish they didn't care enough to even do that, and they just didn't make more at all. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because you have like big properties now, like Demon Slayer, where Demon Slayer's over at this point, but we're probably going to be getting anime content for Demon Slayer for years to come. Mm-hmm. There, wow. There's no, there's nothing preventing, I, I mean, in terms of, of sale content, I, I feel like it's been longstanding for, for the anime industry to be able to produce after manga is finished. I mean, look at Naruto Shippuden, that's wildly popular and has a huge fan base. So it just feels like a very poor excuse for not developing the story further because, I mean, as we know, just from this group alone, there are some people who exclusively watch the anime and don't watch the manga you know, and even if you do, I mean, sorry, watch, read, even if you do read the manga, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily preclude your desire to see something, you know, animated. So it, it that's such a lazy logic to me. Not, and no, not on you, V-Lord, of course. I just mean, if that's what you're just driving this, then it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's a really poor form. It just could have been better. I don't want to say, I mean, it's not the worst thing I've seen on Toonami. It definitely isn't. I, I definitely uh, cough, cough, <laughs> the, the fucking uh, a Tokyo ghoul, cough, cough. <laughs> but there are worse things I've seen on Toonami. Mm, another story of a bad adaptation. Oh, yes. <laughs> Tokyo ghoul just makes me sad. 
<laughs> yeah, this was just not great. And and it, and and what's sad is that it could have been better. It it really I don't think it would have been hard to make it better. There's a lot of lost mm-hmm. opportunity there, and I just I just felt a huge lacking without. And I and I if you all remember from the episode where we talked about the series coming in, Paul and I were like, no, we're going to watch it. We're going to take it as it is. We're optimistic because we thought that you and CJ, the Lord, were just like, oh, we like the manga better. And that's the reason. So we're like, oh, no, no, we're going to watch it with open minds. And it just it just crashed and burned. (laughs) I mean, I'll I'll put it this way. I don't get down on adaptations for not following the manga i get down on adaptations when they're bad yeah <laughs> mm. i mean we we've all seen the argument for full metal alchemist 2003 and full metal alchemist a- 2003 is good in my opinion i like that yeah exactly didn't follow the manga at all but it was good and that's all that mattered now haka show is the best <laughs> adaptation of a manga Oh, yeah, it's really solid. Mm-hmm. It is. Some, 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 might, some might argue it's better than the manga. It kind of is. <laughs> oh, ho, ho. <laughs> you said it. Uh, oh, but there was one more thing that was bothering me. H- how do we go from Isabella being in big trouble for letting the kids go, then being allowed to try and catch them again, and then being grandmother? What? That wasn't even worth time for me actually exploring or caring about. Because I, at that point, I was just like, okay, she's just here to to what? To be another do sex machina? Yeah, yeah. It's it's weird. Even in the manga, that kind of is just a very abrupt thing, and uh, like it's not right. even explained until extra chapters that came out after the manga ended. Well, wait a minute. I'm let's let, let's go back. Wasn't she? Is she the one who's the mother of Ray? I'm sorry, I'm trying to remember yeah. now. Yeah, so so there's some potential groundwork for her having her loyalties conflicted and wanting to side with her son. But, you know, again, something that might have been developed better in a in a season three, perhaps. You could have developed the whole Isabella... You know, even in like one of those episodes where they in the middle of the battle, they backtrack and they're like, oh, this is these are my feelings about things. Something anime does that usually irritates me, but also helps explain things. I would have been fine with that, but it did didn't feel fluid. It didn't feel natural, you know, and even even an apologist can say, well, yeah, she's his mother. So maybe that's why. But it, it didn't it didn't really lay out that way it's not the type of development you should do off screen yeah i mean we get hints of that at the end of the first season when she honestly seems like she's proud that they got away but then we have her being like well i'll catch them don't worry about it but i mean she could have just been playing coy there sure but at the same time how does she then become like the head of the moms? That where wh- Okay, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> and I'm gonna it, raise everybody in human world. Yay! It, it, yeah, that is like we feel bad, so we shouldn't come with you. Oh, get over yourself! Come on. It's emotionally manipulative, but I I did I did get a little choked up at their 
when they got to the other side and yeah. it was like, you be a mom for them. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I was just bored at that point. <laughs> I, I do love a happy ending and I wanted to see a happy ending, but um, it just didn't feel like the story earned it. And I don't mean that the characters didn't because the characters certainly went through a lot. I don't think the story earned the happy ending. No. It's hard no, to even it call not. it an ending because it's like still frames. Yeah, it's a montage of frames. Also, what the heck with the post credits? It's just like, and now we have a scene of the gate. Okay, sure. Whatever. That was definitely worth animating. <laughs> or worth panning, as it were. The human world seems uh, pretty well adjusted. They all seemed... Yeah. Oh, like... excuse me. They show up and some people are like, oh! Like, yeah, I don't think that's how it Totally realistic. Like oh. when, when Peter Rotrave was like, you should see what they do to humans on the other side. I was like, he's, he's probably what not What do wrong. they do to humans on the other side, Peter? Apparently, also, they welcome you with open arms. Also, I had to kill my brother for this. Uh, sure. Why you. did he kill himself? I just don't understand. I mean, I didn't care when he did. I was like, he wanted to die a ratry. But like, it just what what he killed himself, and I was like, what? Why? What? What are you afraid of? Do you love demons eating humans that much? Is that that important to you that you needed to commit suicide? Like it? It didn't. It didn't work for me. It just didn't work for me. I mean, it says a lot of like what you want to feel in porn, like a hero to the demons that you sacrificed, you killed yourself rather than betray them. Like, dude, you could be food next at any time if they're hungry enough. Yeah. yeah. And he's a smart dude, man. He's got a delicious brain, he's I'm got sure. A good brain, yeah. I know, man. It was well seasoned. Got nice wrinkles in it and all, man. Dude. Oh, God. The one thing I really find funny about this season two is that they never explain why the series is called The Promised Neverland. They well, remove the titular concept to well, why it's called The, the Promised promise. Neverland. Also, why? Why is? I mean, why are things the way they are? There's a lot of things that aren't explained. Who wrote help on the bunker? That's making me crazy. I need to know who wrote help and why. Why did the person write help? Why that was it creepy. in the secret area of the bunker? It's That was like one of the few moments that brought me back to season one where it kind of scared the bejesus out of me a little bit. I was like, oh my God, it's a thriller action part. Oh, yay, yay, I'm going to be thrilled again. And then it died because they never explained it. But still... I need to know, damn it. Well, Kerr, you gotta read the manga. <laughs> to be I, honest, I wanted to see the demons and the humans fighting each other, man. Mm. I wanted to see some, like, melee, some bullets getting put in people, getting impaled, disemboweled. Hey, I okay with that, too. I mean, I would have really loved to see how this really popped off. Because it seemed like the humans was actually stronger than the demons, though. Well, they had guns and such. Exactly. I I know, man, but like I'm like... The, the armed troops show up with guns to get the kids. I'm like, what? Excuse me? They've had human troopers all this time? All right. Well, if the, the concept of, regener of degeneration itself is a bit strange because it implies that, you know, the humans could have just let them all tear each other apart and die, and then they would have had the whole planet. Why even have this peace treaty? I could really explain the entire backstory to you guys, but 
I feel like that would be way too much of a tangent. But that's the point. That's the point. There's just so much gap in the in the the storyline in the anime that it's like here here's a problem that they don't explain. Yeah, like I think that is the biggest annoyance for me is like I think the actual backstory behind the world of Promise Neverland is super interesting, but it's just none of it's here in the season. And mm-hmm. it makes everything that's going on even more confusing because they still mention certain like terms and concepts. But if you don't know the context behind that stuff, it's not going to mean anything. Mm-hmm. I don't want this to be a total uh, shit on TPN season two session. So um, let's try to find what we liked about the series. I love Ray. He didn't get enough screen time, but he's. He and Emma are still my favorites. Ray is just a sarcastic treasure. And I love like I love a hero who's just a little bit dark, but a good way. So that was my redeeming quality. Darrell, what was your favorite thing about the season? I'm really trying to think, man. The only thing I can really say is like Phil, the little wholesome little center role growed up. Yeah. I mean, mm. I love Phil. He was such just a little wholesome cinnamon roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and also I did get to see a couple of bullets. I mean, the mothers actually pulled out Glocks, man. I'm like, wait a minute, y'all pulling out the glizzies? <laughs> Nuns with guns. Nuns with uh, guns, yeah. man. Like, glizzies. I like it. I like it. I mean, like, you got. <laughs> you got Black Lagoon? <laughs> hey, only. For a moment. Hey, seriously, for a moment, there was a Black Lagoon moment, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, you got the actual mom's triad. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that was probably like my little favorite part, just to see Philip again and how he growed up. Oh yeah, and then can't forget about the snotfish um, episode. That was funny too. It's delicious. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, what was your uh, uh, redeeming moment and/or favorite moment about season two? Mm. I liked Sanju. I liked that scene where he's teaching Emma how to hunt. Uh, Obviously, his fights are cool, but <laughs> there's also that little lingering thought that, well, you know, I just don't want to eat them because they're from a farm. But if they, you know, reproduce and they're out in the wild, then it's an uh, open season. That's a great <laughs> scene. It creeped me out and it was so well done. And then you're like, well, maybe he won't want to help them in the future. But no, he just goes along with it. <laughs> like, ah, oh, well, whatever. Yeah. That's I mean, fine. Some, I mean, does it actually count as cool playing character. with your food? Yeah, it does count as playing with your food. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that part didn't really make sense. I thought he was just going to be like, no, no, this is your war. I'm just going to be here and figure out, you know, whatever the messes you leave behind, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll do my thing. But he helped them. So that was a little counter to what our, his secret, you know, devious nature was. But it was cool to see him like, hmm. They're going to be free and wild. <laughs> free range? Yeah. Then it's not against my religion. <laughs> exactly. Loopholes. Oh, B-Lord, what did you like about season two? You see, I'm trying to think, but I think there are no redeeming qualities. It's just bad. Not that you feel strongly <laughs> about it. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, I guess this is a small thing. I like the opening. Yeah, hey, the, the, the opening and the ending are both good. Yeah. It's just that the show itself is like, I don't even like hate season two. 
it's just that it's so boring and forgettable to me that mm. it's really hard for me to pick out anything good like between all just like the mediocrity <laughs> that's a good word for it yeah. uh didn't didn't it wasn't there that one scene where that one kid played piano that was nice i guess <laughs> yeah that was nice that was, that was a nice moment they seemed like they had a nice thing going on in the bunker and then it was all too short-lived <laughs> it was all too simple I guess I'm going to have to read the manga because I need to know why they said help. Either that or I'll cajole it out of V-Lord. Help! Who said help and why? These are things that are keeping me awake at night. Well, I always got the impression, at least based on the fact that they were ambushed there later, that somebody else went there and they got trapped and ambushed. Yeah, but like, how how was that bunker found so easily it just, it, it just doesn't. I needed more information. Mm. I didn't get enough yes. information. It boggles the mind. It does. Freaking Peter Ratchie is like, my brother was so distraught when he found out our history. But me, I was like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Like, you are cartoonishly evil, sir. And yeah. uh, it was kind of a shame that they wasted Crispin Freeman on you. <laughs> he was drinking the demon Kool-Aid. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Best way to see it. But I mean, it was nice to hear Crispin Freeman, so there's that. It was. <laughs> yeah. Good good dub cast. Talented good, dude. Good, good dub, as usual. Alex Von David does an excellent job. He was not the director of the first season, so uh, I hoped if anybody could squeeze something out of this that he would be able to do it. He did what he could with what he had. I guess that's the other positive. The dub is good. So it is good. It made it a lot more watchable. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, trying to watch this subbed was. Yep, too much talking. <laughs> oh, the dub. The dub felt felt fluid, and the emotions from the voice actors felt uh, authentic. So that was mm-hmm. a huge plus. It was just the story itself. It was rushed, convoluted, and it's just too many gaps in it, like Swiss cheese. Well, exactly. too many holes. Sorry, not gaps, holes. So. Yeah. Perfectly said, Durrell. Thank you kindly, Kuro. You're just too good to me. <laughs> Got anything else, people? No, I I don't I don't need to beat a, a dead demon on this one. I think I think <laughs> we've covered all of the low points. <laughs> I I would say it's fair to say that this promise never landed. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's a good one. That was good. Oh, that is that a good, good one. The promise that never landed. <laughs> <laughs> and now we have the title for this podcast. <laughs> oh yes, we do. Oh, I've, baby, been thinking, I've been thinking about it all week. <laughs> <laughs> you you nailed it, Sketch. I'm Great. very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you. You've been on with the pause lately. Well, at the very least, you know, we may be somewhat opinionated, somewhat, just a little bit, about this season. But if you all have thoughts, negative and positive, we'd love to hear them. We will never disparage a fan's opinions as long as everybody's nice. So please tweet the Toonami Talkback hashtag and let us know what you thought, because we're always looking for feedback from listeners. Right, Sketch? Mm, that's right. And you can also email us at podcast at com. 
if you have more than a tweet to send. So feel free to do that. And you can follow us on Facebook.com backslash Toonami Faithful Podcast and on Twitter at Toonami Podcast. You can listen to the podcast on just about everything, including iTunes, Google Music, and Spotify. You can find every episode of the podcast to stream online at SoundCloud.com backslash Toonami Faithful Podcast. That is also the feed that our Fena cast will be on, so you don't have to subscribe to anything else. It'll just be in your feed. And you can get the latest news by following at Toonami News on Twitter and read the news, views, and reviews on ToonamiFaithful.com. Hey, CJ just put out a Fenner review. You should read it. <laughs> and you can subscribe to the Toonami Faithful Pass at Patreon.com backslash Faithful. If you want to help us out with uh, the cost of the website and uh, maintaining the podcast servers and such, that would be much appreciated. You also get access to things like the extended cut of the interviews that CJ did for his very long 90-minute documentary, What Toonami Means to Me. It's a long documentary, but what he cut out would make it even longer. (laughs) And there's some good stuff in there. Definitely worth listening to. Okay. Paul already left us, but you can find him at Paul Pascrillo on Twitter. And... With that, VLord, where can they find you? People can find me on Twitter at VLordGTZ, and then I write various things for all-comic.com as well as Tommy Faithful, so you can check out my writing on those. And then I do a bunch of other podcasts besides this one, uh, the biggest of which is the Demon Slayer podcast at DSlayer Podcast, but there's also Oversoul Shaman King podcast at Shaman King Pod, Saturday Night Shocky at Sat Night Shocky, and the Dumb Weebs podcast at Dumb Weebs Pod. So check out all of those. All right. Kuro, where can they find you? <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Happy Kuro Kitty. Uh, you can also find me hosting the occasional ladies takeover of the Tommy Faithful podcast. And stay tuned because you never know where me and the ladies will pop up. Maybe sometime soon. So keep listening, folks. Mm-hmm. Mr. Jarrell, tell them where they can find you. Oh, you can find me at the hospital. I mean, um, no, um, you can find me at Ukami underscores. Ukami. But it's a different hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ukami underscore Samurai 7 at Twitter.com. And that's pretty much it. Like I told y'all, man, I really don't do like all that social media. And Facebook is the only place I'm other than that. But, you know, you got to know me, know me to get on that one. And that's mainly just shit posting. <laughs> mm, all right oh boy we've had you on three recordings lately that is i know man a, a look recent up. record look at that. where can they find you buddy <laughs> you can find me on twitter at sketch 1984 where you can read my opinions on anime video games and other things and i'll probably be doing puns because that's what I'm known for, apparently. And those puns. We love your puns. Never stop being you. Exactly. Ever. I'll always be punctual. You are the punisher. Love. See, see, this is what I. This is what I get my ticket for. Mm-hmm. I like that. <laughs> Shall I punch your ticket? Oh my god! No, stop, stop! I haven't had enough alcohol for this. <laughs> Now, whenever I hear punch your ticket, I think of John Wick. 
god, yes. I have punched your ticket. ticket. Uh, oh, I saw the I saw the recent Bill and Ted movie. Oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. Excellent. Well, Excellent. I don't, I don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> Maybe that's the point. Yeah, it's on Hulu if you want to watch it. Was it excellent, dude? Uh, it was some form of excellent. Well, I can watch that on Hulu. Yep. Uh, you sure can. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the Toonami Faithful Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and all the other podcasts we have been putting out lately. And hey, there's a huge backlog. There are hundreds of Toonami Faithful Podcasts that you could listen to. Chronicling the entire time that Toonami has been back on the air. Yeah. Like nine years. So yeah. uh, go back to some of the land of the lawless days. Man. Oh I man. Just, you're gonna hear some stuff. But uh that dude, like the sound quality was so shitty back then. Oh god. And the good old bleeps. days. I mean yeah. it wasn't Jose, bad, but Jose made it sound pretty good. Yeah, he did, man. Like I look at like where we were then and where we are now. Wait, speaking of Jose sketch, you should mention, um, or maybe V Lord. I know you you may have mentioned it on your um, uh, podcast of Otacon, but Jose's big project didn't they have some recent news at Otacon about it? Oh, we talked about Ronin Warriors on the previous podcast. Oh, okay. I yeah, just, it's okay I, to repeat good news. That's true. I mean, that's you true. couldn't even say nothing about it, man. Like holding it in for all them years, man. Mm. Oh, God, just to be able to just say Ronin Warriors, yes. And we really love the the fact that a former Toonami faithful, predating, of course, me and, and, and V-Lord, is, is so successful in, in his work endeavor. So definitely, if you support the Toonami faithful, you should, you should go and support this. And if you never did see Ronin Warriors, well, hey, guess what? You can see it now. Oh, yeah, yeah, I am so buying that, man. Like, seriously, I don't even care the fucking price of that. Like, take my money now. Hey, you I don't know, even I'm have really to excited. wait for the Blu-ray. It's on Retro Crush. We'll oh, have to do a, a retro watch, you know, as a as a staff and and uh, talk about it again. That that could be fun. I actually rewatched the first episode of Ronin Warriors with Duelist and V-Lord one time. Oh, oh yeah, I remember that. When I came on, like, Amazon oh, Prime. Oh, oh, okay, you did, but you left me hanging with Nisekoi? Okay, gotcha. <laughs> yeah, he's, I'm not ne- he's, ne- he's yeah, never, I'm never, never, never gonna let that go. Nope. Just like, never. just like how Duelist is never gonna let go. How I finished watching Glitter Force without him. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, man, you like so freaking heartless. I uh, yeah, I'm a backstabber when it comes to watching things. Clearly, why is he mad about that though? I'm sorry. Well, his argument is it's not really a show he wants to watch by himself. No and one should really... watch somebody. With anyone look, else, look, look, the only look. way you can watch that is by yourself. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, let's not slander Glitter Force. It wasn't that bad of a kid's dub. Oh no! I mean, I, I, I like I, literally. I watch Airmaster by myself, man. I mean, was... it, it would definitely be better to watch actual Pretty Cure and not an adaptation of it. But Glitter Force was okay. <sighs> All right, like, so the first fun. season, I never did watch the second season, which is kind of funny because it's. Like what? Wow. What was the what was the hurry to watch the first season? Right? I don't know. I was just <laughs> into it at the time. Mm. Yeah, well, you'll never be like me and CJ. We watch Handshakers. No, nope. the best. Nope. 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 N
Uh, such a family-friendly anime. Anyway. <laughs> it's time to go. It's definitely time to go. That's another Southern goodbye, yeah, y'all. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. I was going to say. That's another that, Southern that's the goodbye. That's signal for enough. <laughs> In that case, then. <laughs> deuces! <laughs> <laughs>